What's up, NextGen? My name is Terry Parkman, and I am the NextGen pastor at River Valley Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, USA. And I am so excited to be with you guys today, able to bring you a message that has been on my heart for a long time. Now, I know that this year, 2020, has been one of the, those years for many of us. It's been difficult. Some of us, it's been like, man, is this year ever gonna end? It feels like 10 years rolled into one. But I'm here to tell you today, that God is doing something new. He is doing a new thing. The Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. It says, for I am about to do a brand new thing. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? You know, whenever we think of God doing a new thing, we often think like it's gonna be an upgrade from yesterday. We always look at our best yesterdays and give it an upgrade, and we call that the new thing that God is doing. But new thing means it has never been done before that God has already got something in the works in your life that you can even imagine. So see it, it's happening. I'm not talking about going from like Netflix 1.0 to Netflix 2.0. We're talking like going from Netflix to Disney Plus, y'all. You know what I'm talking about, okay? God is doing a new thing and I cannot wait to see it happen in this generation. I am so excited about what God's doing in this generation. Generation Z, which is your generation, it's called Generation Z by a lot of researchers, and they say that your generation is one of the most diverse generations in history. It's the largest generations in history. Your generation is the most entrepreneurial and innovative generation in history, and might I say, your generation's the best-looking generation in history. I mean, come on, how many of you guys can get down with that? I mean, back in my day, I'm in Gen X, I'm 41. Back in my day, kids were ugly. I mean, you look back at yearbooks, they were hideous. You guys, you don't even have an awkward stage. You just skip right over it. So this generation is a generation that God is doing a new thing in. And more than ever, I don't wanna see this generation limited by anything. I don't wanna see this generation held down or held back. During COVID, when I was in quarantine, I spent a lot of time watching TV. How many of you have binge watched a lot of shows while you were in lockdown, while you were in quarantine? I mean, I did that, I did that, I did the same thing. And one of the things I watched were documentaries on nature, animal documentaries. And one of the most intriguing ones was on fleas. Fleas, you know, those, those little bugs that jump up on dogs and make dogs itch? I, that, that was one of the most intriguing documentaries, and here's why. Because scientists say that fleas can jump 900 times their height. 900 times their height. That's amazing. That's how these fleas get onto the animals. And so scientists said, what if we could train fleas to not jump so high? What if we can train fleas to, to jump so low that they just kind of die out and they, can't, and they can't feed off of anything? So what scientists did is they put a bunch of fleas inside of a jar and they put a lid on it. And these fleas immediately start jumping. They're trying to jump out and they hit their little flea heads on the, on the lid of the jar. And pretty soon the pain of hitting that limit, the pain of hitting that lid kept them from jumping high. In fact, they would jump just right underneath hitting it and then they would go back down. After three days, scientists poured those fleas back out. And even though there was no lid above them anymore, those fleas never jumped higher than that limit that was above them. And isn't it the same thing that the devil tries to do to keep a generation down? He puts a limit in our life. And the pain of hitting that limit makes us afraid to step out. 
It makes us afraid to take that next step in our life. It makes us afraid to break our limits so that even when that limit is removed and not there anymore, we will never attempt greatness again. You know what's interesting about this group of fleas that is that they even passed on those limits to their offspring. So their offspring inherited the limits of their families. And how many of us, when we experience limiting factors in our life, do we adjust our lives according to those limits? And then we try to convince other people to do the same so that we have company in it. You know, that's how the devil takes a generation and he makes a generation ineffective by getting them to believe in limits that are no longer there. Well, as I was watching this documentary, something interesting happened. There was a flea that didn't get the memo because every time they would dump these fleas out, there was always one flea that just kept jumping as high as it did as it did before it was thrown into the jar. So they put it in a jar for four days, put it in a jar for five days, put it in a jar for seven days, and every time they poured the fleas out, this this flea just kept jumping higher and higher, almost as though that limit didn't define him. And then they thought, what if we introduce him to a group of fleas that did accept their limits? Within 10 minutes, the group of fleas that did accept their limits learned to jump as high as they were created to jump. And that's what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ. It is so easy to accept limits around us, but we have a decision to make today. I can either accept limits or I could jump as high as God has created me to and show other people how to do it as well. Today, that's the decision you have, and we have an opportunity to make it before the end of this message. Now, as I look in the Bible, I'm looking around for people who are just like this flea, right? Flea zero, the, the, the flea that didn't accept its limits above him. And the only place that I could really find one is in this amazing story about a man named Bartimaeus. Now, the story about Bartimaeus is interesting because when you look at Bartimaeus, Jesus is definitely there. Now, when you read the Bible, when Jesus is on the scene, it's all about him. But it's almost in this story that Jesus shows up and then he steps out of the spotlight so the spotlight could hit Bartimaeus. It's almost like Jesus wanted us to see what humanity should be like. And he wanted Bartimaeus to be the example. We're going to pick up in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. It says this, And so they reached Jericho. And later, as Jesus and his disciples left town, a great crowd was following them. And a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road as Jesus was going by. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus from Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, some of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and he said, tell him to come here. And so they called the blind man and they said, cheer up. Come on, he's calling you. And Bartimaeus threw aside his cloak, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. Teacher, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has healed you. And instantly the blind man could see. Now the story is significant because in light of his condition, And in the face of the crowds trying to shut him up, and in spite of his social status, Bartimaeus broke rank. And in response, Jesus asked him one question, and it's a question that he's asking every single one of you here today. And that question is this, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Obviously, Jesus could see that Bartimaeus was blind. 
Obviously, they could see that he was a beggar and that Jesus could see that this man had needs. But Jesus wasn't asking what his needs were. No, no, no. Jesus was asking Bartimaeus if he knew what he needed. So if Jesus came to you today and said, what do you want me to do for you? What would you say? Would you say, Jesus, I would just kind of like a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Or Jesus, I would like, I would like more money. Or Jesus, I want my parents to get back together. Or, or Jesus this or Jesus that. Are you asking Jesus for something possible? Or are you asking him for something impossible? You see, before Bartimaeus got his miracle, Bartimaeus was a poster child for keeping the status quo. He was an individual that sunk neatly in line with what society said was acceptable for a man in his status. He was a blind beggar. This man had three strikes against him. The first strike was he was blind. And you might say, come on, Terry, being blind isn't a crime. No, it's not. But you have to understand, back in Bible times, if you were blind, you couldn't work. If you couldn't work, you didn't have a status. And if you had no status, you couldn't get money. And if you couldn't get money, you couldn't eat. So being blind was a big strike already that Bartimaeus had against him. Strike two was he had no name. And you might say, well, Terry, what do you mean he had no name? His name is Bartimaeus. No, 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 no. In Bible, Bar means son of. So his name literally was just son of Timaeus. They didn't know his first name. It was like Jesus, his father was Joseph, his earthly father was Joseph. It would have been Jesus Bar Joseph, right? They don't know Bartimaeus' first name. They just saw some guy sitting on the road, and they're like, who's that guy? It's like, I don't know. He's a nobody. Who cares? He's just the son of Timaeus. You know Timaeus? That's his kid. So strike one, he's blind. Strike two, he's a nobody. He has no status, and he has no name. And strike three, he's a beggar. Now, this is why it's strike three. Because in Roman times, and the Bible, this story exists in Roman times, Rome occupied Israel. And Rome said that if you were going to beg for money on the side of the street, you had to go to a government office and register as a beggar. You had to prove to them that you had to beg for money in order to make your living because you couldn't do it any other way. And when they found you suitable to be a beggar, they gave you what they called a beggar's cloak. And you had to wear that beggar's cloak wherever you went, signaling to everybody that the government approved this beggar to be on the streets and that he was safe to give money to. Can you imagine that? Your entire identity is defined by what you wear. Kind of like today. We can get into that. That's for another message. But your entire identity is defined by what you wear. He was a beggar by what he wore. So he had three strikes. He was blind. He was a, he had no name. And he was a beggar. But here's the deal. Jesus is asking him, what do you want me to do for you? And he knew that he had an opportunity to step out and to be used. I'm so glad that even though Bartimaeus was a nobody at the time, that God still chose to use him. And aren't you glad that God chooses to use nobodies to show his power through? In 1 Corinthians chapter 127, it says, Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, that he chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies? For Bartimaeus, people wanted him to keep his limits in his place. They, they don't want you to stir up the status quo. But I am here to tell you today, as a believer, as a Christian, let's disrupt society. Let's shake them out of their comfort zones. Let's drive them to the feet of Jesus. 
And you might say, Terry, I don't have talent. I don't have skills. Look, neither did Bartimaeus, but God isn't going to use you because you're able. He's going to use you because you're available. And so day in and day out, Bartimaeus sits on a curb with 50 or 60 other beggars. It's called Beggar's Row. And he's sitting on the curb and he's holding out his cup and he's clanging it around saying, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. But he never said it too loud because in that day, if he disrupted the status quo, if he said have mercy on me too loud, a Roman officer would come and take away his cloak. And so now his identity is taken away, his cloak is taken away, and he would never earn money again. So he felt neatly in line with what society said was acceptable for a man of his stature. And he's sitting on this curb day in and day out. He's shaking his cup saying, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, until Jesus shows up on the scene. When Jesus showed up on the scene, Bartimaeus broke his limits and he went where other people on that curb weren't willing to go. On that day when the sound of the Savior fell upon Bartimaeus' ears, the pleas of a nobody melted away into the cries, into the desperate cries of a somebody as he screamed on the top of his lungs, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he wasn't asking for money this time. He's asking for transformation. And everybody's trying to hush and be quiet, Bartimaeus, be quiet. No, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus, shut up. Don't you know they're going to take away your cloak? You shut up, man. I don't care. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And as his comfort zone gave way to desperation, Bartimaeus bombarded God's attention with his prayers. Listen to me when I say this. When you're trying to get God's attention, you can't listen to the crowd. You can't listen to other people saying, be quiet, you're going to offend somebody. Be quiet. How do you know that's what God wants for you? When you're trying to get God's attention, you got to be like Bartimaeus and you got to go at God and say, God, I am right here and I am not going to move until you bless me. You can't listen to the lies of the enemy. You can't listen to your limits. You can't listen to how much money you have. You can't listen to even the talent in your heart. You have to break through those limits and you have to go at Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm right here and I'm not moving until I get my breakthrough, until I get my miracle. And so here's Bartimaeus. He kept persisting. He kept shouting. He kept disturbing the peace and he, the peace, and he didn't give a care who noticed. And it's what Jesus encourages us to do as well. In Luke chapter 11, verse 9, it says, keep on asking and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened. Jesus is saying, keep knocking, keep knocking, keep knocking, not because he loves the sound of knocking. I mean, how many of you have been in a bathroom, in a restroom, and somebody just keeps knocking on the door? It's not nice, is it? Jesus isn't saying, keep knocking because I like it, but he's saying, the more you knock, the more you align with my will. How many of us don't receive an answer from God because instead of knocking, 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 we say, Jesus, are you there? No? Okay, okay. Uh, I guess God didn't want to answer my prayer. Maybe God didn't answer your prayer because he didn't keep at it. See, the more you knock, it's not because God loves the sound of knocking. It's because the more I come to God with my request, the more I begin to ask it according to his will. Okay? It could be like, God, give me gifts and talents that I can put on social media and then I'll get a ton of likes. Nah, that ain't it. Let me keep knocking. God, give me these gifts and these talents so that I can advance your kingdom closer. God, give me these gifts and talents so that I can give glory to you and that I can make Jesus famous. There it is. You see, the more you ask, the more you seek, the more you knock, it becomes less and less about you and more and more about God's plan for this world around you. 
And so here's Bartimaeus. He's hitting God with his requests. He's showing up where Jesus is. He positioned himself right in front of Jesus. And God, Jesus says to him, all right, tell him to come here. And they say, all right, Bartimaeus, get up. Get up, Bartimaeus. You got to go to Jesus. He's calling you. And the first thing that Bartimaeus does when he gets up, the Bible says he got up. And what he didn't do is he didn't pick up his money and his cloak and go to Jesus. No, the Bible says that he took his cloak and he threw his cloak down and he went to Jesus. He didn't take with him the identity that the world put on him. He didn't take with him the meager resources that that identity provided for him. No, no, no. He said, I have no plan B. I have no back door. My only way is forward to Jesus. And if Jesus doesn't give it, I have nothing. Look, when you go to God with your requests, when you want a miracle, don't bring with you all the things that have held you back. Don't bring with you all the limitations. Take them and throw them away so that Jesus is your only way forward. The Bible says that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. It says that he is the door. The Bible says that Jesus is the narrow way. It's not your identity, it's not your cloaks, it's not your resources, but it's Jesus. And this is the most powerful part of the story. People think the most powerful part was that he received his sight, and it was. But the most powerful part of this whole thing was that Bartimaeus took the cloak that defined him, and he threw it down because he was about to be defined by Jesus Christ. No, he threw that cloak down, and he approached Jesus for the impossible. And on that day, Bartimaeus became part of a solution when he believed for greater, when he shattered his ceiling, when he got in Jesus' way. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus said, I want to see. Because seeing had less to do with the convenience of sight and more to do with purpose. Because when he could see, he could start to fulfill a purpose that God had in his life in that day in Israel, occupied by Rome. And today, when you come to Jesus, are you asking him for something that will make your life way more convenient? Or are you asking him for something that will release the potential and the purpose that God has placed inside of you? And so he says, I want to see. And his eyes were open. So again, I want to ask you this question as I wrap up. Jesus is saying to you, what do you want me to do for you? Don't tune out of this. Don't turn it off. Don't go pick up your phone. Don't do anything else until you go to Jesus' feet and answer that question. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for everybody tuning in. And I love, Lord, that we have an opportunity to connect with each other, even though we're on different parts of the world, different sides of the world, that today your word transcends space, it transcends time, and it hits us right where we're at in the way that we need. God, I pray that we don't define ourselves by our limitations. And yes, God, there are massive limitations, and some are more severe than others, but at the end of the day, we don't define ourselves by those cloaks, by those lids. But God, we become those people that step into purpose and teach other people to do the same. God, we ask that you forgive us. Forgive us our sins, God, that have gotten in the way of us having a relationship with you. Jesus, it wasn't just you that was nailed to the cross, but it was you that held our sins to the cross. And when you died, Jesus, our sins died. When you were buried, our sins were buried. But when you rose from the dead three days later, our sins stayed in the dirt and you rose to eternal life. So when we say, Jesus, I walk away from my sins and I walk away from everything that holds me back from you, God, we have eternal life today. We don't have to wait till we die to have it. God, we have eternal life now. So Jesus, we take it on. We say, break our limits. We say, give us that breakthrough, that miracle that leads us into the purpose you have for our life. In your name we pray. 
Amen.